What do you know about business? I know a lot about business. I don't actually. I, ugh, it's complicated. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Are you ready for part two of what I've learned in business? I hope so, because that's what you're about to get. Last week, I shared everything I learned in the first five years of building Bandel, and today I'm sharing what I learned in the second five years. In this episode, you'll find out what it takes to scale a business and also how that feels. Spoiler alert, it does not always feel good. I'll share tips on management, hiring, organization, and the importance of intention and transparency in your work. You're about to get a brain full of business. Away we go. So at this point, you would have heard what I learned in the five, 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 what a five, 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 that's not what I was trying to say. What I learned in the first five years of Bando. Now I'm going to tell you about what I learned in the second five years because five and five is 10 and we've been in business for 10 years. So I cut it in half. I sliced it up. I'm making a bandeau sandwich. I don't know what's in between. Maybe nothing. Maybe it's just two pieces of bread. That's not even a sandwich, though. My favorite kind of sandwich, not that you asked, probably grilled cheese, but also, I don't know, there's a sandwich place by my house, and they're true artisans. They do all sorts of stuff, kind of like a roast beef sandwich with, like, horseradish sauce on it and like a really cool cheese but then it's like also it'd be great if it had potato chips i don't know is the hamburger a sandwich i like those too oh i like grilled chicken sandwiches oh my god blts with crispy bacon and i actually don't even know if i need the l or the t just bacon and bread anyways at about the 15 minute mark i'm gonna have to take a pause because I'm trying to boil some water for some spaghetti because I want to eat some spaghetti. That's it. I just thought you should know. You'll, you may not even notice it happens because we can do secret shit like that on a podcast where I can just stop recording and start again. It's like I never left, but there may be a 20-minute period in between where I'm making spaghetti. It's wild, I tell you. I'm watching my dog, Philip go to the bathroom in our backyard. <laughs> I mean, have I just have I just painted a picture of someone that you want to take business advice from? I hope so, because it's a whole new world out there, and people like me can now give business advice, which I'm really excited to do. And it's not even just advice. It's I just want to share the experience with you because I I I don't think people talk about this enough, and I think it just seems like business is easy and. And when I say there are things that, that I learned, some of it is like, I found out that there's some real shit stuff you have to go through. <laughs> it's not like, hey, write this down because this is like business school. I would imagine that you maybe don't find out about some of this stuff in business school. So let's dig in, shall we? I think we shall. If you've made it five years in business, congratulations. That's huge. Um, sometimes I'm not exactly sure how we did that other than I know that we sold the business at year four and then someone with a lot of sense took over and enabled our creativity to fuel the create creativity 
of the business and the brand rather than uh, the numbers portion. But what I think is a really common thing, a, a goal for most people in business is growth. Whether that's you're aspiring to have growth from a recognition standpoint, so like brand growth, or you're growing because you have one brick and mortar store and you want to have 100, or you want to grow just from a profit standpoint or a sales standpoint, or you want to go from five employees to 500 employees. I think business growth is top of mind for, for most business people. That said, I think there's also something really interesting about like sustainability in business where you find, you know, you have a small business, but you don't need it to be a medium or large business. You like the way it runs. You have one or two employees. Everyone feels like they're being paid well, treated well. You're making a profit. You're living the life you want. You're earning the amount of money you want. And it's great. I I mean, I don't know that that is ever championed. I, I feel like, especially now, with the way businesses are and the spotlight, especially on female founders and female-run businesses, it's like, how big and impressive can you get? And it's really, really hard. So please don't let growth have, you know, get in with your ego and let you think that it's an absolute. It's absolutely not. There's room in the world for extra small, small, medium, large, and extra large businesses. So please remember that. Growth is hard. It's scary. It's full of liability and setbacks and also big wins and celebrations. So what do I want to tell you? Here's what I want to tell you. We grew in a lot of ways in the last five years. One of the most impactful ways that we grew was we grew our team. We were a team of five for a really long time. I think it was probably around the six-year mark that we got to 10, which felt really big. And then we went from 10 to about 40. Um, and that's just in our LA office. There's there's team members that work in lots of different offices for Bando, but but the LA team is the team that I work with the most and that I am actually like affected by the most and was a big part of growing them and onboarding and interviewing and all of that. So we that that last jump happened quite quickly, like probably over a six-month period of time, which maybe doesn't sound fast if you're not in business, but most things don't happen in a six-month period of time in business. Everything takes longer than you think. So we write that down and mark my words on that, not just employee growth or anything, but... If you're a visionary, especially in your business or your company, you can see where you are and where you want to be very clearly, and you will grossly underestimate the time it takes to get there from where you are to where you want to be. So be patient. It's going to take a long time. I'm dealing with that right now. So it's that's something that I have learned and continue to learn every day, but Here's the thing, that growth from 5 to 40 was exciting. I felt proud. I felt like I was doing what everyone expected us to do, which is to be able to say to friends, well, we're at, we have 30 employees now. Like I felt, I don't know, maybe kind of full of myself and like 
uh, it's expensive to have a lot of employees. So it was like we were obviously doing well and there was more opportunity and that's why we needed more people. And, you know, we went from a really small, we went from my living room to my dining room to a very small office that we worked in for a really long time to a slightly larger house that we worked in for a shorter time because we went from five to 10 in that house and the house was probably good for four. And then we moved into the penthouse, which is the office we have now, which is two floors, probably 7,000 square feet each. And I used to roller skate in that office because I was like, no way will we ever fill this. Well, we did. And all of that was so much fun. It was so exhilarating and, and we were really on a roll. But here, here are some of the things I've learned. When you're going to have growth like that, you need to know who you are as a person, as a business, as a group of employees, who you are, what you stand for, what's important for you, and what you're not willing to tolerate. And honestly, I didn't know that. There's something about having a small team of like-minded, some call it a hive mind, like-minded people that have worked together for a long time, that have developed a shorthand that, and I think I've said it before with some of the girls I've been there for a long time, like just, we can communicate with just a glance. And so that work, that introspection and, and the articulation that would be a result of introspection about those things that I said, who you are, what's important to you, what you won't stand for, what you will stand for, what you do stand for, was not articulated. And I just assumed, because all I knew was the group that I had, and we were, I, I just, I can't even tell you how lucky I was at the beginning of Bandeau and building it. And I think I probably referred to it in that, in the first five years episode, but, but in case I didn't, the people that came into my life through Bandeau during those first five years are epic <laughs> and were obviously drawn in for a reason. And my naivete told me that as we grow, we would just get more of the same. And also that the person or people that you speak to in an interview are the people that will show up to work three, six months in when things get really hard and stressful. And because that was the experience I had had. That was the experience I had had. What I didn't know is that that's not common. And that was just another thing that was special to us. And so the assumptions that I made were were what ended up being the toughest for me because then I ended up with a team that was larger than I was probably p prepared to lead. And I'm, and I wasn't doing it by myself by any stretch, but still as the founder, you know, that I was unable to articulate what I needed creatively or logistically, because I really hadn't had to. And that the biggest thing was that the company culture was going to be challenged because some people were actually just there because they wanted a job. And and by the way, I'm not disparaging. This isn't said in a disparaging way. That's a lot of people just go to work because 
um, they're adults and they need a job and they need an income and they want to use that money to do the things that they're really passionate about. As someone who has never really been willing to do that, and w- which is why I, I did not have any money for a long time because I just w- I didn't understand the concept of just having a, do- a job and then spending your spare time doing what you loved. I didn't realize that. And then it's a different relationship. And so when you're a small company, which I know m- many of my listeners are part of a small company or have started one, you end up with people that are just like as passionate about it as you are. And, and we still have a really large team. We've scaled it back and so many people there are so passionate. So it's not to say like there's five of us that are passionate and the rest of us aren't, but there are people that will come in and and out and it's just a transitional thing for them. And, and also that's okay. I just want you to be prepared for that and know that it, there, there will be different types of people that come in and, and the onus is on you to communicate what you expect, how you work. And yeah, I don't know. And just cut. Oh, I got to go check the spaghetti. BRB. I'm back. Uh, the first thing I want to say is just because I, in the interest of being completely transparent with you, it's not spaghetti. It's penne regate. I forgot that I was all out of spaghetti and I went to the store to get more spaghetti and they were all out of the spaghetti that I like. So I got a bag of penne regate and then I got home and I had already had a bag of penne regate for exactly the same reason. But it's a great fallback, especially when you're having pesto because it's like a ridged, it's like ziti but with ridges. And so the pesto falls in there and it's delicious. Anyways, okay, 10 minutes from now, I got to go get, get, it, get it off the stove. So let's let's get back to business, shall we? So with growth, I, I think the thing to remember is that as a leader, the onus is going to be on you in how you communicate to your growing team and and understanding who you are and why you are and why you exist and identifying when that changes and communicating it is going to be a huge responsibility for the duration that you are in business. And and again, meetings and emails and you know, formal communications and brand books and employee handbooks, those you know, those came to us over time and honestly still something that we're working on. Brand pillars and you know, what do we what do we stand for? And what's important to us and what's important to our employees and how and what is our co- company culture? You know, and for us, our company culture was always about um, camaraderie and fun and connection and enjoying our work and fueling it with passion and being resilient and being really tethered to the idea of being great creative problem solvers and not looking at problems as problems, but looking at them as an opportunity to challenge ourselves to think bigger, think different. And that's who we are. Like, that's who I am. That's our company DNA. Now, did I say that to everybody in a job interview? No, because I didn't even realize it, you know? So the time that you can take to introspect and document that, and and I'm sure a lot of people that that have started a business maybe started with that, and, and that's great. You know, Bando was creative endeavor that turned into a business, that turned into a brand, that turned into a place where people work. So some of it has come at the opposite, you know, at at a time much different than it does for others. But I want to say that's okay too. You know, the other thing that I've learned is that my business inside and outside 
from a timeline standpoint, from a organizational chart standpoint, from anything, w- will not mirror anyone else's, um, nor should it. I have lots of friends that have that have teams similar size to mine, and they and it's structured differently, and it's run differently, and they tolerate different things, and they don't tolerate other things, and that's okay too, and and that's important thing to remember. And what's nice is you can hear. You should find a group of people that are in the same place as you, and expose each other to what's going on. That is another huge thing that I learned that like having a network of like-minded people that are in a similar place in their business changed my whole perspective because, and I know I've said this before, you know, it it's, it's lonely and no one talks about it and we don't talk about it enough, but man, I have some great friends now. And we, I mean, we sat in a hot tub this weekend talking about the challenges at work and then one of us would say a challenge and, and then the others of us would be like, wait, I have that too. They're like, oh my God, I thought that was just happening to me. So, you know, finding that is going to be important. Honeybook, what do you know about Honeybook? I can tell you about Honeybook right now. But first, honey, just honey. It's great, right? I'm glad that they call this platform Honeybook because I had a very bad sore throat about a month, maybe it was two months ago. I can't remember. But I do know that I had some hot water, some lemon, and some honey. And it cured me. So obviously, we're on to something here. Honeybook, if you don't remember, but you might, is a purpose-built business management platform for creative small businesses. I know there's a lot of you out there. I feel like I've talked about how much I could have used Honeybook in the early days of Bando. I would say I could use it now, but I have the great Deborah, and she helps me with a lot of this stuff. But This would be very valuable, say, if you're a photographer, a designer, an event professional, any kind of solopreneur, creativepreneur, preneurpreneur. You will save time on paperwork, emails, and the dreaded dealing with payment collection. So here's what I have for you. For a limited time, JGOK listeners can get 50 50% off the first year of HoneyBook with promo code JGOK. HoneyBook membership includes unlimited access to all features at one low monthly price. So go to HoneyBook.com today and use promo code JGOK to get started. Again, HoneyBook.com, promo code JGOK. HoneyBook. Bye. I talk about focusing on top level shit in the last one and how I learned that and the things that the top level shit I was focusing on in the first five years is so different than what's happening now. But the idea of taking that team and building trust with people and educating them and not just offloading work, but actually training them in a meaningful way and letting them fail on your behalf and not shaming them for the failure, especially when they're doing their best and using it as learning opportunities and growing the people that are invested and letting them know 
what their future looks like at their company, at your company, where they can go, and encouraging them is so important, especially if you are a founder and you need to see what the next 10 years look like. And so that's more like for me, what I've learned my my top level shit now is like looking into the future. And I'd, I, I still find myself in the weeds from time to time because it's a really hard habit to break. But I've also been very dedicated to getting better at articulating what I'm looking for, to empowering the people around me, to staying out of some shit and sitting out of some meetings and some phone calls and getting off some email chains and just letting people do it and know that it may not look exactly how I wanted it to look either in the process or in the finished product. And it doesn't matter. There's lots of right answers. So another big um, symptom of growth um, is letting go. And, and, I, and I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that anytime I talk about business, especially business leadership. It's like knowing what to let go of and knowing what to really hold tight to because um, you, you can't just let go of everything, but you have to let go of a lot of the little stuff um, and get some perspective on what's actually important so you, can, so you can impact it. The last thing I'll say about growth, and I, and I said it was expensive, it is because you you know, you, you buy desks and chairs and computers and, but also salaries are not, that's not what it costs to have the person. There's, there's insurance and benefits and 401ks. It's almost the same as like when you, when I went to buy my house and I was like, I can totally afford that. And then it was like, here's your insurance and your property tax and you, and then the roof leaks and, you know, it's the same. So just know going in as with anything with business growth, Make sure if it's not you that there's someone there that can help look at your finances, help you make projections, and also give you clarity on what it actually costs to grow and if you can afford to do it. Um, And be realistic about that. That's important. We've been lucky because on the financial side, there are some some really sound, sound people, grounded and sounded and grounded, and they are smart about what you know, what we allow ourselves to do. We, we like to dream about what the potential is for each year's re- revenue, but also be realistic and not, not get into a spot where we've grown too far or too fast, which can happen and happens to a lot of companies and may happen to us in three weeks from now, but it doesn't look like it. It would have to be a very dramatic thing, but I just want you to know, I wanted you to hear me say, that I'm aware that that could happen at any day. And anything I record could end up being irrelevant 10 moments later. Okay, I snuck away. (laughs) I snuck away and I completed the penne regate. Well, that's not true. I took it off the stove and I've strained it and now it's waiting for the pesto to be applied, but I'm going to do that. That's that's sort of the, the carrot on the string for me. When I get through this, I can eat the pesto. So yeah, so obviously a lot of this episode is is about growth and that's the that's the that is the biggest theme of the last 5 years is identifying how we wanted to grow, the kind of growth that was important to us and what growth actually looks like. And so there are upsides, there are downsides. Part of having a larger team means uh, what I've been alluding to. It's like you actually have to change the way you work and your workflow. And we 
we got on Google Calendar, which if you're on not on like a synced up calendar, inter-office synced up calendar, that's important. We used programs like Basecamp and Asana to magic to manage products. No, <laughs> we use. Oh my gosh, come on, Jen. <laughs> we used whatever programs like Basecamp and Asana to manage product projects. Oh my gosh, fuck brain fuck <laughs> to manage projects because you have so many projects with so many team members on them. Slack is a great inter-office communication system that the girls mostly used to send each other funny gifts and say what celebrities they saw at lunch, but I also think it reduces emails and is a great way to communicate quickly with a group. I also work to kind of understand just as a larger internal team that has offices, not just in Los Angeles, but in Kentucky, overseas, London, Hong Kong, um, you know, even our publicists are are in New York, and we have team members sort of like floating all over the country, like they actually levitate. They're magic. They don't really float. But I, but I sort of focused in on some things that internally were going to be important to being effective at work and as teams, and I thought maybe I would share a few of those with you too, because um, whether these are teams that you're managing or teams that you're a part of, these are some of the things that have been the most important to me and and a function of our growth. And so hopefully hearing them will help. Simplicity, huge thing. If you're anything like me or know any anyone that's anything like me, we love to make things more complicated than they need to be. I don't know why. I don't love complexity. I like simplicity, but sometimes there's a desire to take a more winding road to from inception of idea to finished product or outcome. And so it's really about finding the shortest path to success, prioritizing less over more, identifying the intentions of the work you are doing, which is so important, and finding the shortest path to success. So the intentions are, and that's something I've only learned in the last I mean, really identified in like the last six months. I have always known how important intentions are in life. I've always admired people that lived and operated with such intention. But understanding what your intentions are for any given thing at work in your business, whether it's just a task or it's a giant project or it's like starting the business, understanding them and being able to articulate them and communicate them is so important. And then using them as a guidepost for what you do, like a touchstone to kind of check back in and be like, are we being true to our intentions? Is this real? Are we going in the direction that would have been identified by what our intentions and our goal is, is so important and really helps with simplicity. Because I think that sometimes creativity is the enemy of simplicity. And that is definitely something that I've learned. And as a highly creative person, that's where a lot of the complexity comes from. Because it's like, ooh, idea on top of idea on top of idea. And at Bandeau, we certainly have a very, it's a juicy, juicy place. (laughs) 
That's what she said. Gross. No, there's a, there's so much room for ideas and there's so many ways to do anything and it, it's so led by creativity. But but sometimes creativity really can be the enemy of simplicity and without identifying intention, it's really easy to lose sight of all of that and it doesn't feel like you're doing anything wrong because you're being creative and everyone's having fun. But as you grow, productivity is important and the way you spend your time is important. So definitely something to think about. Here's a fun word that um, people talk about all the time, transparency. And for me, that's about creating open, honest, digestible communication across the business where there's context for all information shared. So the recipient has a clear understanding of the information they are receiving. That sounded really articulate because I wrote that a long time ago and shared it with my team and now I'm sharing it with you. Alignment, open communication, and context. Transparency is one of those things that it's like, it's such a hot word, but it's like information without context is is very confusing. Like, being exp- exposing people to information where it, that they actually don't understand or don't have the context to understand is worse than not giving them any information at all. So as we've challenged ourselves to, to grow and be more transparent, sorry, as we've challenged ourselves to become more transparent as a company within departments, company-wide, managers to the people that they manage, I was very clear that I wanted to make sure that there's responsibility on both sides of that, that if you're being given information you don't understand, that you that you ask for more context and you don't make assumptions, and that if you're giving information, that you're filling it in with two or three sentences about what it is. An example for me is like, especially with employees that are really curious, you know, uh, you'll share sales numbers. And and then if you're if you're having a great, a great year, uh, then everyone's like, well, why, why don't we have more stuff in the office? Why don't I have a nicer desk? Why don't I have more money? And it's like, well, sales is one part of business cost. Do you know what cost of goods sold are? Do you know how much it actually costs to have an employee or free coffee or whatever it is, you know, and, and just giving that context helps to understand why, okay, Thank you for your transparency. I understand that the business is doing well. I also understand why that can't directly affect me at this very moment. And I think that's important. And so I feel like working to educate your team and giving them context as you as you challenge yourself to communicate more so that people aren't left to just draw their own conclusions is really important. And I actually think that speaks to any size team, but something that I've only realized over the last few years. And then I think the other big one is collaboration. And another word that's used all the time, but here's what I wrote about that. True collaboration works when there is trust and respect between team members. So that should constantly be being built and strengthened among the team. And that is the important piece. Like collaborating to just say, hey, we're collaborating on this, but how do you meaningfully find effective ways to work together and how do you build trust with the members of your team or the people that you're working with on any given project. You work with integrity, 
you work with candidness and openness. You're not afraid to have difficult conversations and you're open to feedback and you can accept it, digest it, discuss it, and move on. And the times that teams haven't been collaborative, there's usually been some sort of like personal conflict, personality conflict. I don't want to say bad blood because I feel like there's not really bad blood, but you know, where someone has felt wronged by something that happened and it was never discussed. And you know, having those types of relationships are hard and it, and it's hard for me. I mean, I'm saying this, but, but I really had to challenge myself over the last couple of years to like enter into some places that were not comfortable for me because I knew it would serve a bigger purpose by having some difficult things and, and, and creating trust and, and respect between everyone. Something we work on all the time. We don't have it a hundred percent perfect. We never will, but to truly collaborate. Think about the people that you collaborate best with professionally, personally, long-term or short-term. What was it that made it successful? Other than maybe you were like-minded and your personalities were similar, you probably trusted and respected them. So that's really important too. The last thing I'll say is that I really, really learned and and I've known, but really, truly learned was the importance of passion in what you're doing in how you express that passion, especially as a leader. So people can also plug into it and how important it is that your team and each individual on the team is passionate about what they're doing. Now I've just described a dream scenario. I get it, but the better you get as a in understanding what your true passions are and how they relate to the business, what the business stands for, what what your intention is and what you're trying to do and communicating that helps people to see where they can take their passion and plug it into it. For us, we constantly see success when the passion is infused in the process. So keeping the team plugged in and enthusiastic about their work as a group and and as individuals is really important. For the people that have over time in small periods, in longer periods, have underperformed or underdelivered, a lot of times I've found out that they just were not passionate about what they were doing. Sometimes that means there's no job for you here. Um, But you should go and pursue your passion. That's important. We had a lot of people early on that did a good job, did a great job, but clearly in in comparison to someone who is so fucking passionate about what they were doing, especially on a creative side, it was it you could see the difference, but I didn't understand what that was. And then they went on to go be actresses and artists and all sorts of things. And I see them thriving because they're plugged into their passion. And I realized, oh man, that hurt me when they left, but thank God they did because they were pursuing what they were doing. If you're lucky enough, you'll have a majority of your team that's passionate about what they do and their contribution that they make to the bigger picture. Um, whether that's someone that's so passionate about Instagram and loves it and they're, and they're doing a part of social media or someone who loves to build community and they're, 
they're a big part of your community events or, you know, maybe it's a multifaceted, you know, I think for us, like I was saying earlier, people that are, that really are passionate about um, solving things, creative problem solving and working hard and building something. And that can come out in many ways, shapes or form. But I would just say, make sure that you are plugged into that passion. If you're at a job right now, I mean, I so much of this has been focused towards people that are thinking of growing a business or starting a business, but maybe you're just at a job. Like, Ask yourself, are you passionate about it? Are the people you work with passionate? Is your boss passionate? Because it is a make or break thing. It really is, especially when you're trying to run and grow your own business. If you don't have passion, it's not going to work. So think about that. Have fun too, <laughs> which which I have to say, but is important and 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 finding that. And I think if you have a lot of the things that I listed, um, you can do that. You should do that. Like leaving room for that is is important. And I, I talk about that in the in the what I learned in the first five years. But but finding pleasure in and amongst all of all of these learnings is is really important too. So hopefully you'll be able to do that. And I would love to talk more because I feel like I could talk for seven more hours, but all I can think about is this pesto. So I got to go. Hope this helps. See you back here in five years. And we'll talk about what else I learned. I can't even imagine what it's going to be, but I know it's going to be good. Okay, bye. Okay, are you ready to take your business to the next level? Are you scared? A little? That's okay. Totally normal. I probably should have been a lot more scared than I was. Well, I'm just thrilled to be able to share with you what I've learned. I would have given my right arm, or at least my left arm because I'm right-handed, in exchange for this kind of business insight. So I hope these last two episodes allow you to keep both of your arms because I love you, I appreciate you, and I know you will take this knowledge and do something great with it. All right, go get them. Bye. What do you know about the after show? It's the JGOK after show. You don't know about the after show. Oh, hey, Phil. He heard me singing and then he wanted to come make me stop. But I'm still singing about this after show. Quick after show for you today. Just wanted to tell you, I got back into tennis. If you follow me on Instagram, then you know that's my new deal. I was looking for a fun hobby that maybe was active. I've taken up hiking, although my brother really hasn't been inviting me to go lately. Maybe he's found another hiking partner. So I decided to pursue tennis, and here's what I wanted to tell you. Three lessons in, and I know how to serve. Now... It's true that I'm not actually playing against anyone yet, but I will tell you that my coach, who is not free with compliments, he, he, he's, he, he's good with criticism, but you don't get a ton of compliments. That's how I know he means it, says that I am a naturally gifted athlete and a very fast learner. And I just wanted that to be documented somewhere and no one regulates the after show. So that's where I'm putting it. Okay, love, set, match, point, deuce, whatever you say in tennis terms, balls. Bye.